Hello, you're listening to the Mr. Money Jar podcast. Mr. Money Jar here. This episode is taken from an Instagram live and has been uploaded in its entirety. This means that some of what you hear may seem odd in an audio format. For example, there might be references to questions that appeared during the live, plus some audience interaction, and very rarely some swearing or audio mishaps. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the show. Cool, so this is episode 37 of the Mr. Money Jar Show, and today we're going to be talking to Clarence Kuyoro of CK Talks Money about growing up British. So Clarence hosts a podcast of the same name, Growing Up British, and um, we connected um, on DMs and um, yeah, we thought it would be a good idea to talk today about some of the experiences that we've had and that you may have had that are distinctly um, British, that are unique to growing up in this country, because as we all know, money is a personal topic, but it also varies wildly depending on the cultural context in which uh, you grow up in. So I think I'm going to have a really good conversation today. I've got some uh, questions to, to ask Clarence and I'm sure he's got some interesting things to say as well. And I think I can see that he's in the chat. Great to see everyone joining. Hope everyone's had a great start to the week. Uh, these shows are, um, yeah, they're easily a highlight of my week. Um, with all this lockdown stuff, it's great to have some contact with you all albeit virtually. Wicked, looks like Clarence wants to join. So let me just invite him in. Hopefully this works first time. Timmy, how are you doing, man? You all right? I'm good, I'm good. Thanks for joining. No worries for having me, man. Yeah, and I'm so glad uh, that we could make this happen. I know we first connected quite a few weeks ago now, so uh, thank you for bearing with. I really appreciate it. No worries. Um, cool. So yes, let's let's dive straight in. Um, we're here today to talk about growing up British, which is something. It's a topic that you're very familiar with. But before we jump into that, why don't you just introduce yourself to the people at home? Let them know uh, what you do and about CK Talks Money. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining. My name's Clarence from CK Talks Money. Um, my page is pretty much based around just educating people on things in regards to finance that they should know, that they maybe don't know. Um, I come from a finance background career-wise as well. So that's that's how this all came about. I kind of just thought to myself one day, you know, I've got all this knowledge. I'm always helping people in my media reach. So why not just, you know, create a platform where I can widen that reach as to who I can help. So yeah, and then I'm connecting with people like Timmy and here we are. So yeah. thanks for having me, bro. The reason why I'm smiling is because that's literally what happened to me. Um, All right. <laughs> I was always that friend that like knew about the latest website or app mm. or deal. Actually, I got a couple other friends in my circle that were that way inclined as well. Yeah. And it gets to the point where you don't want to bother people all the time. You're just like, let me just let me just set up the page, yeah. just create the platform, put the stuff literally. on there. And if people benefit from it. Then literally, then literally. Um, so that that's good to hear about you and about um, what inspired you. Um, but in terms of your qualifications, you're also a qualified um, mortgage expert, if I understand correctly. 
Yeah, correct. So I worked um, just, just to give you a brief overview of my of my career. I'm not going to run through my CV, so no one run away. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so I actually started in banking. I worked in banking for about three and a half years. All right. Um, yeah. After I graduated from university, I kind of just wanted to do something different. You know, like the banking environment was great, great um, organization. But I thought, what more can I do in finance that I'm actually interested in? that mm-hmm. I can add value to or even add value to myself with. So that's when I did my CMAP exams that would take us back to 2015. So it was some time ago. Um, did my CMAP exams, did mortgages for about three and a half to four years before going into more regulatory work. So I'm um, working with the financial ombudsman, for those who know who that is, working in compliance. Um, and I'm still currently in compliance. So um, I kind of ran away from the customer-facing role. I just want to sit back... I just do my work and, and that's that now. So yeah, that's a brief overview of my journey. Wicked. And then we've got someone in the in the chat also say um keep it keep it fizz saying CK is also a co-host on the Growing Up British podcast. So yeah. two questions. Yeah. Firstly, is that two H's on purpose? No, so yes, yes. So that is how it's spelled. Um, yeah. For those for those who are looking at it, it is tagged in my bio as well. So feel free to have a look at that. So Growing Up British is a podcast that myself, Keep It Fizz, and um, Hebs have. That's I am Hebs on Instagram. So that's every Sunday, two till four on Pulse FM, and we just talk about everything to do with growing up British, and you know different things that we experience. So it is quite a fun but educational show to tune into. So um, it is on Spotify, Apple Music, so feel free to have a look at that as well. Okay, yeah. wicked. Yeah, for the people at home, make sure you check that out. Um, yeah. I'll probably be sure to tune in next episode as well. So, um, yeah, like, you, you talk about all sorts of topics on that show, but let's, let's focus in on money then. Yeah. Um, what are some of the experiences you've had around money that you think are, you know, distinct to growing up in yeah. in Britain in the UK, yeah, you know. So coming from myself, I'm from a I'm from a Nigerian background. Both my parents are Nigerian, and one of the biggest things that I know that I experienced growing up was that one, our parents didn't really talk to us directly about money or about their finances. Um, mm. I can see you nodding your head, Tim. So I feel like you can resonate with that. <laughs> but it's like they didn't talk to us about it, but. I feel, I feel as if because of how my career went and being 17 slash 18 and going into banking, I learned the majority of my financial education outside of my home. So mm. that even came a, a couple of times along the years where I was coming home and I was the one actually educating my parents. Okay. To do, you know what I mean? Like, because yeah. they haven't told me their bit. They've, you know, come first generation, come to the UK, and then I'm here. My parents, like, till this day, I don't know what they earn. I've never seen their accounts. I'm like, nothing, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Nothing like that. The closest I've come is when I did a mortgage for my dad. And obviously I took a little peek, like, yo, you know what I mean? So that's the, that's the closest that I've come to actually seeing it. But it's like, there was no real education. I can't think of a moment where I've actually sat down with my parents and discussed financial matters ever, mm-hmm. you know? So um, yeah, a lot of the stuff I learned outside of of my home is what i'd say so that's really interesting because i i was trying to think of 
when I think of Britishness and I think of money, what's the first yeah. thing that comes to my mind? And I wrote it down before the show. It's the fact that we just don't talk about it. Yeah, exactly. We don't talk about it in the home. We don't talk about it at school. We don't talk about it at work. Like, you dare not talk about it at work. Yeah. Oh, and wow. I think if you were to ask most people um, about Britishness and money, they'd probably come to the same conclusion. This kind of stiff, upper lip, like, nicey-nicey yeah. type yeah. of being. Where do you think this comes from? You know what? I feel like I feel like it's just a general. Because initially, I would have probably said, you know what? It's 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 a Nigerian thing. That's what I would have probably said before two weeks ago. And the reason I say that, I'll touch on that because two weeks ago, I did a clubhouse session session with Savvy Wallet, and we oh, had, yeah, big know, up yeah, 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 big up Atto for real. And we did one on whether talking about money is a taboo, and we had people in there that spoke from Sweden, from Canada. And it was only the people from the UK that actually saw talking about money as a taboo, which That's I found, yeah, like, yeah. which I found really weird because before that day, I'd have probably said, oh, it's probably just my, you know, my Nigerian upbringing or whatever. But clearly it's something that we do even in our normal British society. And when I look back to even things like when I was in banking and we had salaries, we were always told by managers, no, you're not allowed to discuss your pay with other staff. You're not allowed to discuss your bonus with other staff. So, the, the, the general consensus we've been given is that talking about money is not allowed, which then for me is no wonder we don't like to talk about money because there's not there's never really anywhere we go. Let's let's go from home, then to school, then to our to, to our careers. There's never anywhere we go where talking about money is celebrated or encouraged. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's pretty much where it comes from. And I feel like when when me and Atto spoke after that clubhouse, we pretty much just came to grips that you know what this is probably literally just a british thing it's probably mm -hmm. just something that we do because one of the guys that spoke was a friend of mine who now lives in on in, in um, montreal and he works with me in banking and he's in canada and he spoke and he said you know what this whole talking about money thing in canada we talk about money you could be at work and people will say oh yeah i just got a promotion i'm earning this or my bonus was this mm -hmm. which for them in a way it's they're having those conversations to make sure that even just to make sure that you and your colleagues are being paid at like, like a similar amount for the same role. Course, so, you know course. what I mean? Like, even just from a personal educational point of view. But Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. Sorry, sorry to cut you there, Clarence, yeah, no, but go ahead. Talk, talking about how much you pay is very important as well because of pay gaps, you know? Exactly. Gender pay gaps, ethnicity pay gaps. That's how these things creep in. I was lucky enough in my last job to work in um, a HR-type capacity. And... Very rarely is there like an evil mastermind kind of sitting there going, I'm going to pay these people this much and these people this much. It creeps yeah. in slowly over time. Mm -hmm. And it happens, I think, when people don't talk about how much they're earning because you can't benchmark against anything. Exactly, exactly. And, and in a way, I feel as if even that conversation around talking about what you're, you know, what you're being paid it's kind of been suppressed so there's a general message that's given up you know around the companies that says you know talking about money isn't a good thing which then encourages people not to question what they're being paid which mm -hmm. in my opinion makes the job easier for the hr departments because they're not being questioned or challenged on any of the decisions that are being made as to what they're paying stuff so um, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a weird one it's a really weird one um, and let's just dispel the myth for everyone um, at home now. I did a post ab about this a few weeks ago. I was also on a podcast, um, the uh, Brunch and Bantu Knots podcast, where I mentioned the 2010 Equality Act. So under the 2010 Equality Act, 
Um, it renders pay secrecy clauses unenforceable. Right. You are allowed to speak to your colleagues about how much you earn. There's no reason why you can't do that. So that, that's in law. And if there are contracts or if there are people telling you that you can't do that, kindly refer them to that, um, to that law. Yeah. So we've talked a bit about how um, it's just the British people. I wonder if we could kind of go deeper into this a bit. Do you think that there's anything around self-worth tied up in that? You know, if you're working for this much money and, the, and someone else in maybe the same position is being paid more, do you think that in, the, in, in Britain we have more of a, uh, we tie more of our self-worth to how much we're paid? Most definitely. Most definitely. And I feel as if there's definitely conversations to be had about that because it's like we nearly can, you know, let's say you and me, Timmy, let's say that we worked in the same role, same company, and we by chance had a conversation one day and you find out that I'm earning more than you, you're automatically going to think that I'm worth more to the company than you are. And mm -hmm. I feel as if it's, it's key to even in little bits of a day-to-day -day role where people are doing their job. If I'm going to work every day, I'm doing the same workload as the person sat right next to me. And I, I then one day find out that he's being paid more than me. Immediately, my motivation is going like that because I'm thinking, yes. hold on. You're resentful. Like, yeah, like, I yeah. Mean, he, he actually hasn't done anything wrong. But yeah. just the fact that we're doing the same thing, I feel as if we are equal here. And all of a sudden, due to the number that's been quoted, we're no longer yeah. equal. <laughs> you know, so yeah, it's, it's a shame. And it is something that's that we, that... yeah, yeah. Go, no, go yeah, ahead, go ahead. Then... Yeah, that, and, and, and the mad thing is that actually you feel the resentment towards your colleague yeah. exactly. who's receiving the money, not, not necessarily yeah. towards the organisation which is doing yeah. the pay. It's another weird thing about the self-worth yeah, thing. And this is the thing, it's like, and, I, and this is why one thing that I've pretty much managed to coach myself on is that even coming away from money or anything, when it comes to actual self-worth, your value as to who you are, I'm, I've pretty much got rid of the idea of tying that to my income. It's amazing. You can find yourself in so many different places in life whereby you're earning, boy, 70K or 30K, but your value is still the same. Your circumstance of what you're earning might be different, but your value is still the same. You still have the same thing to offer. It just might yes. mean that in that place that you're in right now, you're not earning maybe what you were earning before, but I feel as if as a society, we put so much onus on oh, um, I'm earning this much, so I'm here in life, or I'm, I'm, I'm not earning as much as I used to be, so I, I can't be doing that well, when really that's not the case, you know? So I feel as if even just from a mental point of view, that's something we need to coach ourselves on because um, our salary, that number on our contract does not define who we are, <laughs> you know? I completely, completely agree. We've got a comment from Simply Budget saying, the only signals we receive about money is people's housing, houses, cars, clothes, and tech which can yeah. be obtained using debt. It sets off the wrong perception about wealth, in my opinion. Yeah, so there's this added dimension as well, which is, um, you know, it's something that's kind of taking place um, around the world, but certainly in the UK, we're seeing huge advances in terms of fintech. So you can now actually get stuff that makes it look like you have money without actually having any. And yeah. meanwhile, your debt pile is, is building up in the background, which is quite exactly. interesting as well. Exactly. And I think this is why one thing that Topsy always says when we have conversations on the clubhouse is comparisons are killer because you will go on your phone, you will say, oh, like this person's wearing this or they're driving that car. 
oh, they must be doing so much better in life than I am. I need to get to their level. You not understanding how they paid for those things or how they, you know, finance, but whether it was buy now, pay later, or whether it is, uh, you know, maybe they might have borrowed the money or maybe what they're wearing isn't even this. I've actually been out with people where I know that they're wearing a, a Rolex, they're wearing a nice watch. And everyone's like, yeah, bro, like, that's a nice role you got on, but I know it's not his watch. Oh, right. And, yeah, like, and, and these things are really happening within our society. And this is, once again, it comes back to the mindset. It comes back to how we view ourselves and how we view other people. Because we need to stop kind of comparing and trying to create some sort of mental league table as to mm -hmm. where we are in life based on money, based on clothes, cars, and all these, material, all these materialistic things. That's not where our value is. Yeah. You know, so yeah, there was a very interesting thing that happened. Just building upon what you said, oh, uh, KBM Financial Focus says, or oh, they bought it on Klarna, not even paid for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, gosh, I, I really do feel sorry for for Klarna. Like every time I hear about them, the sentiment is really bad, and I'm sure that they have the best of intentions of what they're doing. I think it'd be really interesting to speak to someone from that company. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but yeah, just building upon what you said about the self worth thing. Um, as well um, during COVID last year a very interesting thing happened we came up with this term key workers frontline workers essential workers yeah. which to me was everyone admitting that actually there are some jobs which hold intrinsic value like when the going gets tough yeah Maybe it isn't the person with the flashy porch or with the Rolex mm -hmm. or whatever that's mm -hmm. essential to keeping society running. It's the nurses, it's the doctors, it's the people who stack the shelves, who deliver the food, yeah. who pick up your, your dustbin um, every week. And like, we, we, well, for a time, we went out of our houses and we were clapping for these people. I found that really, really interesting because. Yeah. In this kind of bubble that we were in last year, it was like the rules had completely changed. And actually what we teach us as well from Kem's Cakery, absolutely. Um, the people that, it reminds me of the Bible passage actually, like people who, who are last will be made first. Like mm. That's kind of what I think happened. I don't know if you have any uh, views or, or thoughts on, on that period. Yeah, to be honest, that's, that's a great point because it's like, it's just... It just goes to show that sometimes the, the people that we need to really be showing appreciation to are the ones that we kind of don't notice enough. Yeah. Um, you know, because I feel as if as a as a society, things that are flashy is is what our eyes are always attracted to. You know, if we see somebody in a NHS uniform walking down the street versus somebody in a three-piece suit with a briefcase, we immediately make the assumption in our minds that the person in the suit is more important. But like you said, when, when pushing really did come to shoving, and, you know, things were bad. It was the person that's in the nurse outfit that was looking after people in the hospital that was the essential worker or the person that mm -hmm. we were clapping for. So mm -hmm. most definitely, most definitely, I fully agree. Fully agree. Yeah, man. Um, and then I had a couple other uh, questions for you because, um, so yeah, you and I, we, we converge on this idea that in Britain we're not so good at um, talking about uh, money what things do you think we are good at um in british culture when it comes to money when it comes to money i feel like the first thing well coming i'm, I'm speaking purely from an opinion point of view as well i thought the one thing that we are very good at is 
making it seem like everything is okay when it might not be. <laughs> especially especially when it comes to finances because I've I've sat with loads of people, you know, just even as as a mortgage consultant um in regards to their credit, in regards to their debts. And I feel as if the general thing that I would find is people are very good at sitting on their problems, burying their head in the sand and just letting things ride, letting things ride. Let's say somebody with bad credit now, they will literally just say, oh, like, I've been declined for something. I've got bad credit. And they'll just park it. They'll just leave it on the side in the corner until the day that they need to, I don't know, apply for a mortgage or apply for something then they want to take on the problem. And I feel as if I find that a lot because when I look at people's credit files sometimes and I'm seeing, okay, you have a mispayment or you have something that's wrong on your credit file and it dates back to June 2018. And then I've asked you, oh, like, why haven't you like kind of looked into this? Oh, I just, I, I just haven't had the time. And I'm just like, what, like, but this is important. This is something that you really should have looked into straight away. But we only really tend to tackle things when we have to. So when you now want to apply for a mortgage and you know that your credit score needs to be good to get to the next stage, that's when we want to be taking things on. That's when we want to fix the problems rather than just tackling it there and then. Same thing goes for debt. I know people that have struggled with debt for a long time and they tell me, oh, like, I've been struggling to pay this off for, for a year or two years. And I'm just like, then why don't you just make the payments? Like, why not just hit things where they are rather than letting it get worse and then when it gets worse when it gets to this level then you're like okay how can i deal with this how can i keep my head above the water when really you could have tackled it when the water was at your knees you know yeah. so it's it's something that i've seen that i have i have personally done before that mm -hmm. i refuse to do these days oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're all guilty of it i had an overdraft for a year and it was charging me it was one of those 50p a day deals and i think i was i, I paid someone like a hundred pounds um over the course of a year for it when i could have just balanced um i could have just money transferred some oh, money and yeah. paid, paid off the money transfer card which i did eventually do but um yeah inertia um kind of self-sabotage these are uh, human condition things and mm. um that's why people need people such as yourself to almost yeah. call them out and be like, look, you know that you can just, you know, hit this and start Yeah, exactly. Small. Yeah, and, and just to kind of touch on your question again, another thing that I feel is if, like, and if there's anything that I feel like anybody needs to take away from this, I really do hope everyone takes this point away, but it's just the fact that I feel as if when it does come to money, we talk about all the good stuff, you know? When things are going great, we talk, we want to, you know, we, we celebrate it, but from a level of accountability, when things are going bad or when we've made mistakes... I feel as if those are the most important conversations. Reason being, I'm going to learn something from somebody. Okay, when I was 18, I'm going to learn something from somebody that tells me, look, I've missed payments on my credit file before. My credit was really bad, but now I keep up with all my payments. And now my credit score is good. I'm going to learn more from that conversation than I am from someone telling me, oh, yeah, I just made this much money. And now I have 20, 30 grand. It's like... We talk, we talk about... Hey, Google. Stop. Sorry. No, that's cool, Robert. It's like, we talk about all the great stuff, but it's like we shy away from talking about the things that have gone wrong or the mistakes that we've made and that people can actually learn from. And when it comes to financial education, I feel as if, I think it was B that, that um, was putting up stuff about like her accountability on her page and what her plans are and stuff like that. 
And I thought to myself, that's, that, that level of accountability is key because you're learning from people and you're looking at what people have done and not just what they've done, but the journey they've had to take to get to where they had to get to. And that's the most important thing. I'm telling you, like, bro, if someone tells me tomorrow that they've made 50 grand, that's great. But what's yeah. more important to me is, yeah, cool, this is how you made that 50 grand. Sick. What mistakes did you make, though? Tell me where you messed up. Tell me where you lost money. Because for me to get to your level, if I can, I want to try and avoid all those errors. <laughs> I don't want to make mistakes that you made. So I feel as if as, as much as, even on the subject of just talking about money, as much as talking about the good things and, and all the successes and the great stuff, we need to talk about the stuff that we fell down on, the mistakes that we made. You know, these are also things that we need to be discussing as a society. So yeah, yeah we, need to, we need to be real on both sides of the yeah. equation. Just turning to the comments quickly, because there was a few when you were speaking. So um, back when you were talking about the first thing you're talking about people, uh, people in Britain being good at, you talked about um, leaving stuff. Uh, keep it, it says the keep calm and carry on mentality is true. We literally had a slogan to encapsulate that way of being, which is very funny when you think about it. Yeah. Uh, Marlarel says there's not enough education at root level in school, in the home. The culture isn't there to see it as an urgency. Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. Agreed. Um, people agreeing with you, agreeing with you. Ah, oh, Savvy, Atto's in the chat. Um, people, lol, people uh, don't even know they are in the water. Yeah, some of us, some yeah. of us don't even realize. Um, cool. Um, so I, I, I was going to... Um, maybe mention some things I think this country does um, okay at. Because um, I, a few years ago, I was talking to a family friend who lived in the States. Right. And um, she she's a doctor and she was talking about, you know, down the line wanting to plan a family and stuff. Some of the difficulties her colleagues had had taking maternity leave from work, because basically it's like, if you don't work, you don't get paid. And like, she couldn't believe that in the UK, like you could be, you could receive even statutory maternity pay, which people <laughs> consider to be down the lower end or that your company would pay you for not working when you wanted to start a family. So I think that there are, the fact that we have a national health service, the fact that we kind of prioritize public services um, and that sort of thing um, through people's taxes, I think is, is, a, is a positive thing. And I also appreciate the level of transparency we have in this country as well. So while we do have our problems, thanks to the ONS, you know, charities like the Money Charity, you can research how much debt there is in the country at any given time. You can find out, um, even if there is a pay gap, the size of that pay gap. Um, but then on the flip side, with the keep calm and carry on mentality, we are very good at going... Oh yeah, that's a bad statistic. Moving like you've seen this with Corona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> so why have a hundred thousand people died? Well, you know, the reason why we're happy that now that we're, and it's just like no, like we need to be able to, as you said, focus on both the positive and the negative, so we get a complete picture. Exactly. Cool. Um, so I think it's um, it's worth worth also looking further afield. So something that we'll both have experienced over the course of our lives due to the, um, the rise of the internet and globalization is the 
um, effect that other countries' cultures are having on British culture as well, right? So I don't know what phone you use, but like I'm using uh, an Android phone, which is like owned by Google, an American company. I've got uh, an iPhone, another American company in my hand. Um, in my hand, and you know when you think about tech, it's like um, Netflix, Amazon, Amazon yeah. Tesla. Like, what do you have any opinions on like the impact that other cultures are having on the UK? Yeah, to be honest, I don't feel as if the impact other cultures have is in any way negative. Okay. Um, I feel as if we have to just always kind of remember that anything that we have access to, we have access to in a way in which it can benefit benefit us or not benefit us. And I feel as if even things that's coming from a, let's say like a tech social media point of view, I feel as if people sometimes talk very negatively about social media in itself. Um, I feel as if people would, you know, say, oh, social media, you just have a whole bunch of people showing off and, you know, influencers maybe going on holiday. I think there was something on the news recently about an influencer going on holiday when it should have been locked down. And she said that she was doing it to sort of motivate, motivate people. people. And then I think for, for a very short period of time, a resource, let's just use Instagram for now, that I looked at in a, in a bit of a funny way was Instagram. I said to myself, wow, like, that this can actually be a negative place. Um, mm -hmm. But it can also be a very positive place. And it just comes down to how you use whatever resources that you have. Yeah. Instagram in itself, I think I put up a tweet weeks ago and I said something like, Instagram can actually be a very educational and motivational place if you use it properly. So it's like, it's all about reach. You see what you follow. Whatever you decide to feed your eyes to is what comes up on your, on your page. Yes. And yes. it's like, people will complain about things like, oh, but this person is showing off that they've got a new iPhone, that they're, they're showing, showing off that they're going to Dubai or whatever, but you're only seeing that because you're following that person. Yeah. And if it's on your Explore page, I recently found out that the things that come up on your Explore page is a reflection of the people that you follow. So yeah. it's like some yeah. way or another, you're seeing yeah. that because that's what you're genuinely interested in. And that's genuinely interested in. Not, yeah. oh, this is what I want to be interested in. If you're seeing girls on the beach, that's what you're looking at, bro. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, we just have to keep it real with ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Clarence, you're a deep guy, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, it's true. Like, the things that you see in your explore page is like things that people you follow have liked. And like, think, yeah, exactly. And um, it, it is in some way connected to things you, you're either seeking out um, consciously or unconsciously. It's like a, a mirror that's being um, held up to you. Yeah. Incredible. Exactly. Um, so yeah, like you need to, you need to curate your life. I always say this, if you, um, if you were to start today and try to watch all of the video footage that exists on YouTube, you would die. You'd have to pass the job on to your children and possibly to your grandchildren, great grandchildren. So where there is abundance, you must be selective. You have to say no exactly. to things. You have to curate your life in order to have the sort of life that you want to have. Change Blueprint, um, Francesco in the comments says, uh, honestly, content is consumption. Be mindful of what you're consuming. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. Um, cool. I've got just one more question before we head into the rapid fire questions. And yeah. Let's now look to the future. So we've identified some of the things in the past which have been um, uniquely British for us. We've talked about some of the things positive and 
not so positive that we think um, happens in this country. How would you like to see society change over the course of um, your lifetime? What sorts of things are not happening now that you'd like to see happen from a financial perspective? Or maybe they've just started to happen and you'd like to see them develop a bit further? Yeah, so the first one that I'll immediately, um, immediately say is financial education from a younger age. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure how it's going to come in. Um, I'm sure there's different ways that even some people listening. But even if we talk about, oh, they didn't teach us this in school. Um, they taught us Pythagoras theorem and I've never used it. But it's like, <laughs> we, we say all of these things, but it's like, we need to be, I think, I can't remember where I read this, but I read something that you, you need to sort of be the change that you want to see. So it's yeah. like, if you have kids, um, younger brothers, younger cousins, anyone that is, you know, in your area of influence, and you can educate them on the things that you think you should have learned in school, you should be doing that. Because we all know that it's not part of the school curriculum. We all know that we weren't taught it, but we know enough now to be able to speak to those younger than us. So that's one of the first things that I would want to see change. One of the second things I want to see change is kind of what I touched on earlier, it's a lot more openness. It's a lot more openness about and people being more honest about their financial situation. Because yeah. even in the space of that honesty, once again, we talk about learning, there's space for learning. You know, a lot of the stuff that I learned about credit scoring, I learned from my mistakes. And I've mm-hmm. said this so many times um, in, on other recordings that I've done that when I'm on my page and I'm talking about, oh, um, I know someone that made this mistake with their credit and their credit went down. A lot of the time I'm talking about me. So I'm not, I haven't, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I haven't read a book and I've, and I've done a course on credit scoring. And because of that, now I know a lot about credit scoring. I know this stuff because I've made those errors. I know it because the people around me have made those errors. And as a result of that, I'm a student to that information. So I've taken mm-hmm. it in and now I'm learning. And it's my job for me. I've given myself the job that anyone that I'm within reach of I need to let them know this information to make sure that they're better off in the future than myself. So I feel as if we, we, we talk about financial education like it's, oh, it doesn't happen in schools, but yeah, it doesn't happen in schools, but are you talking to your friends about finances? Are you talking yeah. to your younger brother and sister about finance? Are you talking to your parents about finances? Yeah. Because I'm sure a lot of people can probably relate with what I said earlier, whereby there's things that I've taught my parents that, they could never teach me or that they wouldn't know if I didn't talk to them about it. So mm-hmm. it's just that general free roaming conversation around finances and just not bottling it in, not just, yeah. you know, even if you have made, everyone makes mistakes at the end of the day, not just sitting there like, oh, my situation's rubbish. Let me keep it to myself because you're, you're kind of depriving someone else of that education that you could give them, you know? So those are the two main things that I, that I would flag up. Yeah, really, really powerful words spoken there. Um, just to build upon what you said. So that first point you made really spoke to me. My youngest brother's 14. He's going to be 15 right. in, right. a, in a few weeks. And I actually go through peaks and troughs with my content and with my page. I go through periods of really high levels of creativity where ideas are just coming to me and I'm just making content and then you're in that kind of social media flow. And then I go through periods where I literally don't know what to make or 
I just I know, feel I know the feeling <laughs> in a creative run. Yeah, because it's really hard work doing this actually. Like every the algorithm wants stuff all the time. All every the time. Day. And like, <laughs> you need to maintain a certain level of quality. But what you said really spoke to me because it's like if you want to change the world, then you need to change the people around you first. Yeah. And if not, so what, what that kind of meant to me is like, if I do ever get into one of those ruts, I should actually just think about my brother. Like, what would right. I want to tell him? What would I want to tell the young people in my life that I actually know? Um, and then and then it ripples out from there. I think exactly. too often we want to go big before we before we start small. But the idea is that I think to, to think big, but to start small. So exactly. that really that really spoke to me. Yeah. And then the, the second point you made about financial education, I think, um, you know, we've already on this conversation dispelled the myth that social media is a necessarily bad thing. It is a tool which can be used for positive or for, or for negative. And I think it has a huge part to play. And the internet in general has a huge part to play in financial education because what is school? School is in a sense, a building where you go to learn things, but it is also a mechanism by which you learn things. School can be right here, right now, on your exactly. phone. Exactly. You know, coronavirus people have literally not been able to go into the building that they call school. School is at home, so has come to them. Yeah, yeah. We need to be less. Uh, we need to have less of a limitation. Yeah, in terms of how we think about school and financial education. It can be wherever you want it to be, and it can be to the people that are in your life right now. And that, that's yeah. just me building upon the, the points that you've made. Yeah, no, I have to agree with you. But the thing is that even that idea of school and, and the education, it can literally happen anywhere. Like, yes. I have people that message me and ask me every single question about a mortgage that they would have had to go and sit down with a mortgage advisor about, and I've answered it in three voice notes. And it's like, these are the sort, and, and, and this is why I say the resources that we have, just using Instagram once again, we need to use them to our benefit. You yeah. know, like, of course, like, let's be real. It is, it is boring to read, to, to research on Google and read a whole bunch of articles about something to learn. But sometimes, like, even things are as simple as just going on Instagram sometimes. I'm not saying that Instagram should be your go-to for every single thing. <laughs> if, you're, if, if you're trying to propose to your missus, don't go on Instagram looking for videos. <laughs> <laughs> Instagram shouldn't be your go-to for everything. But I guess what I'm saying is that the resources that you do have, use them to your advantage. Don't use them, you know, and, and, and waste them. Of course, I'm not saying that having a laugh on Instagram or watching funny videos is a waste. But if you are going to spend time on a social media network, at least follow pages like Mr. Money Jars that are actually going to ed educate you on Thank things you. that you actually need to know, you know. Stop watching the Busset challenges and the silhouette challenges. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> tune into the stuff that's actually going to help, you know. Completely agree, completely yeah. agree. So the, just a couple more comments and we'll head into the uh, rapid fire question. So uh, Cameroonian Wolf um, says... Uh, if everyone changes their own circle of influence, it's, um, by the way, the reason why I'm struggling to uh, read this is because people keep commenting. So that's like a, oh, that's right. a mark of a good, mark of a good live is when you can't read out people's comments because people yeah, are just talking cool. and talking. Um, if everyone changes their own circle of influence, that's a massive compound effect. Love it. Yes. Yeah, literally compounding in action. Barnarell says, love that lifelong learning change mindsets around you. Absolutely. 
And Eve says, school is wherever your knowledge is being increased, your horizons open and your limits challenged. Wow. wow. I feel like that needs to, that needs to be immortalized somewhere. Yeah, what? <laughs> awesome, <laughs> awesome stuff. Um, cool. So just a few questions um, that I ask all the guests that come on the show. Uh, so firstly, um, what's been your biggest financial achievement to date? Biggest financial achievement is being able to clear pretty much 90 to 95% of my debt in 2020. Um, COVID helped, um, yeah. you know, being at home, not spending as much. Um, so, yeah, that's probably my biggest one, I would say. Wicked. And that's the, yeah. first, the first step for many people on the journey to whatever, whatever it is you're after, financial independence. Yeah. Um, exactly. Like investing is actually clearing that debt, just getting rid of it so you can start to build towards the future. Awesome. What money advice would you have given to yourself 10 years ago? 10 years ago? Okay. First, okay, so there's more than one. The first one was, so te 10 years ago, I was 16. So 10 years ago, I was probably still working. I was working at TK Maxx, I believe. All right. Um, what I would say to myself was save. Just that word. Yeah. save because yeah. it's like it's just funny how the things that your parents tell you that when you're younger it's only later on you start to understand it and yeah. my dad would always say just save much save your money save your money of course being 16 i wanted to buy the latest football boots i wanted to have the air forces you know like that that normal yeah. young boy way of living but if i could go back i would have even if it was 50 pound of mm. every paycheck i would have put it away i would have put yeah. it away so yeah. that's what I would tell myself. Yeah, man, that's six six hundred pounds a year, yeah. like literally over the course of ten years. I can't really do the the maths, but yeah, that's yeah. a decent sum exactly. of money. Um, you said there was more than one, so save. And... Save, and you know what? This is a bit of a crazy one because I was only sixteen, but because I'm genuinely new to investing. And when people talk on Twitter about, oh, there's certain people that are new to investing and they're getting all excited about the stock market, I'm one of those excited people because I'm, I'm absolutely loving it right now. So I would have stepped into investing, let's say eight years ago, I would have stepped into the stock market and investing a lot sooner mm -hmm. than 2020, literally. I would have done it a lot sooner because mm -hmm. um, it's just crazy how, even though we talk about saving, it's just crazy how when, they, when we actually talk about our money working for us, the ways in which our money can work for us and we can actually leverage what we have, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. And, and hat, hats off to Savvy Wallet as well, because I probably wouldn't be doing it if not for Savvy Wallet and my friend Michael. Oh, really? So, yeah, that, that's how I started off. So, yeah, that, that, that's the second one. That's the second one. Wicked. All positive, man. If you were to win the lottery, let's say you were to win £10 million, how would you allocate that money? allocate that money so <laughs> the first bit of the money would be to make everybody within my reach that's all my family members debt free um you know like growing up my parents have done a lot for me they've sacrificed and worked really hard for me and my, and my siblings so i would bless them first of course, I know there's some people thinking, oh, like, aren't, aren't you going to go to church and pay your tax? Like, I'll pay you. <laughs> you get me? <laughs> you get me? Like, I'll, I'll go to church, I'll pay my tax, but then I would, 
I don't know, man. I'll probably buy myself a beautiful house, all cash, no mortgage. I know as a mortgage advisor, I sound like a hypocrite, but no mortgage. And yeah, yeah man, just invest it. I'll invest. I'll start a business that can run, that my kids, kids, kids can can take on. I'll create a legacy, man. Because for me, when you're given that, that amount of money, you asked me about 10 years ago. 10 years ago, I'd have probably gone into Foot Locker and bought every single crepe in the room. But now, the way my mind kind of works, it's just like, okay, what can I do for my generation? You know, we yeah. talk about generational wealth quite a lot on social media and something like 10 million pounds, that'll make a massive difference. So that's what I would do. Yeah, well, because of you, um, anyone listening to this who maybe would have gone and bought the whole of Foot Locker's maybe thinking... Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Um, what are your long-term money goals? So looking ahead now, where would you want to be, say, in the next um, 10 years? So, um, so the first thing that comes to mind is completely debt-free. Um, I'm, uh, You know what? When I talk about completely debt-free, if I had you know, a property portfolio and a couple of mortgages, of course, that would be slightly different. But I don't ever want to be in a position where I have to start thinking about credit card debts, start thinking about... Um, overdrafts um, these are all things that I've experienced before and where I just touched on what I managed to do in 2020 it's not a place where I ever want to be again so long term that is something that I kind of feeds to the people around me quite a lot um, another thing is I'll probably say I want to have a, a, a lot a larger investment portfolio so I've started my investment portfolio already, but I want to have a larger investment portfolio whereby my future and my maybe retirement plans, it's a very long way away from me, but my retirement plans aren't relying on my pension where I can have um, investment properties, where I can have an investment portfolio that I've you know invested in stocks in different companies. So that is what I would say my financial future looks like. Oh, uh, Barnerell said, or buy the Foot Locker company. I or see. buy Foot Locker, yeah. All that. Thinking All like that. an investor. <laughs> Love it. All that. Um, oh, keep, keep It Fizz has asked um, a question. A question for you both. Should we have different financial goals based on our ages, i.e. 20s versus 30s versus 40s? This is a really interesting question. Um, what were your thoughts on this, Clarence? Yeah, to be honest, I would say I, I, I try very hard not to match financial goals to age. Um, reason being people do things at different ages. So I have friends that got married at 25, I have friends that got married at 35. So for example, if your financial goal is to save for, I don't know, you're saving for a deposit on a house, that could be subjective depending on where you are in your career. Because for a mortgage, you need a certain salary to get the loan that you need and also build up the deposit. So I wouldn't say that you need to, I, I wouldn't put age into the mix. I would say allow your financial goals to match your journey and where yep. you are. Because we need to be realistic. Because if you are, I don't know, if you're 25, you're about to get married and you are saving towards the wedding, it's not always realistic that people saving towards a wedding can say, oh, I'm also going to buy a house the, the, the following year or the following month. You might have to wait a little bit longer. So I wouldn't say it's age. I would say circumstance. So I'll change that age bit to circumstance. Yeah, literally nothing more to add. Um, let your let your financial goals match your objectives, yeah. whatever they may be. Um, and the last question, and this is a new one: um, What does success mean to you? Success, well, because I was actually asked this the other day. Success to me means being able to provide for my family. 
um, to a point whereby when I think about my future life and I think about being successful, I think, okay, I can provide, but I also have flexibility. Now, those two things don't always go hand in hand because we know a lot of people that they will have the money, but they don't have the time. And I want to be in a position where I can make certain investments or arrangements financially in my life, whereby me being financially comfortable doesn't mean that I have to have time away from the people I love. So let's say my wife, my future wife and my kids and stuff like that, I still want to be able to be around. I will then be able to sit there and say I'm comfortable. And Black Print is saying copyright infringement because I actually said <laughs> that. <laughs> I actually said that on his podcast the other day. That's coming up. Oh, you, you you went on as well? Yeah, yeah, I was on the other okay. day. Um, whole type Black Print, great guy, great yeah, guy, great guy. So that's what it means to me. And just knowing that I'm financially comfortable and also the people that I love and that are around me are also financially comfortable because, of course, um, everyone has their own journey the way they want to do things. But I would not like to be in a situation in life where I'm sat in a financially comfortable seat but the people around me are struggling, you mm -hmm. know, so... That's what success is to me. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome chat. I'm so Thank happy you, bro, we managed to make this happen today. And you know, no this worries. conversation, we don't really plan these conversations um, on the Mr. Money Josh show, just for the people listening at home. Um, I write down a few questions, but I really just like to ask questions to allow the speaker to just speak their heart, speak their mind and just share their expertise. Um, if you if you enjoyed or if you gained from what Clarence said today, do show him some love in the chat because I think today's conversation has been absolutely excellent. Thank you, um, Thanks Black for having me. Well, for real. Two two Black Kings. He brought it back. Shout hey. <laughs> <laughs> out Black and Pod. Um, so yeah, um, anyone you want to shout out and anything you want to plug before we wrap um, up. Yeah, because of the title, I'll start with Growing Up British. Like I said earlier, yep. it's every Sunday, um, 2 to 4 on Pulse FM. Um, we also have an Instagram page, which you can find in my bio as well. Um, Savvy Wallet and I also do a clubhouse every Tuesday at 7. Um, it's just around conversations that we feel as a society we need to be having, um, that we think are key to have. So those are the main things for me. Feel free to follow me. Feel free to get in my DMs if you have any questions. I'm always, I actually reply to messages. I'm not one of these, um, <laughs> these bougie people that's not going to respond. Like, I, I do reply to my messages as well. So, yeah, feel free to hit me up. Wicked, wicked. And yeah. just a final thing for me, the Growing Up British podcast is on Instagram. It's at growingupbritish.h. Dot .h, dot .h, yeah. That's at growingupbritish.h. Dot H. Dot H, yeah. That brings us to the end of today's episode. Yes, Clarence, thank you so much for coming on. No amazing, worries, bro. Amazing chat. To everyone at home who tunes in week after week, comments, asks questions, makes this show the show that it is. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's really difficult right now because we can't meet and we can't be together, but through the power yeah. of social media, we can come together, we can share, we can educate. We'll be back at the same time next week, Monday at half past six. Have a great rest of week, everyone. Thank you. Thanks for having me, bro. You take care, man. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.